0: joining me for the Plant Yourself podcast. I'm your host, Howie Jacobson. So today's guest, Glenn Murphy, and I are both kind of self-improvement junkies. And that's natural for Glenn, who is a martial arts instructor and a stress-proof teacher and a writer and a consultant. And, you know, he sort of dragged me along. Thinking about ways in which I can better myself through discipline and hard work and focus and all that. But today we talk about the dangers of over optimizing and the blessings of just accepting ourselves for who we are and accepting our situations for what they are and treating ourselves with humility and kindness and balancing that with all of the self care and self improvement projects that can make up our lives. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Here we go.
1: <laughs> Howie. How are
0: you? All right, Glenn. How are you? Yeah,
1: not bad. Yeah. Good.
0: Fine. We're, we're going to pretend we haven't just had like a 30-minute really depressing conversation about the state <laughs> of the world, right? And just sort of yeah. jump into something helpful here and useful and fun.
1: Yeah. It's always, a, it's always a fun thing when the question, how are you, doesn't turn into I'm fine, thanks, but a 30-minute diatribe about all the things that have gone, <laughs> gone wrong in the world and how we... <laughs> feel uh, powerless to fix them right now. Right. Uh, Do, yeah,
0: you know uh, Og- Ogden Nash, the the, the poet? Yeah. I think he had a-
1: of him. I haven't read a bit of his work.
0: So one he, he wrote like these really short poems. One of them was um, don't tell them about your indigestion. How are you is a greeting not a question. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, that is it's a funny thing though. That is a, that's one of the things I had to learn when I moved over here. That it really is just a greeting. In America like literally how you doing how you doing but that that's the response is that you just ask a question back you don't even say I'm fine thanks and how are you in the way that we used to teach Japanese kids to say in English they're like how are you I'm fine thank you and how are you that's the that's the way that everybody says it in Japan and like it, you would at least go in you know you maybe deflect to the weather or something in England. You know, you, mm. you give some sort of response to that question before just throwing it back over the net. You know, how
0: uh-huh.
1: are you? How are you? How is, who's going to crack first and actually express some real emotion? Not me. How are you? Well, it's been yeah. going. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's about how you can Well, it's going. You know, words like that. You know, so it's, it's a bit weird for me, but now it's completely natural to me. People ask me how I'm doing. I do not feel compelled to tell them at all. I just throw it straight back over the net and
0: yeah, well that's that's why I prefer the more evocative how's it hanging?
1: How's it hanging? Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Which could at least so at least p- brings about- up imagery.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I come out with other things like British book, like What's Cracking? What's Occurring? That's a good. There's a, my uncle Paul used to say out in the building site all the time, he'd come in, oh, What's Occurring? I used to like <laughs> that. That's quite a nice one. <laughs> Which I suppose is the guess is same as what's happening technically, but it just, you know, it kind of makes you feel like you need to give somebody a little news report on what really has been occurring. And so it's, it's got uh-huh. this kind of open question feel to it, you know, it doesn't just shut people down. I think that's the problem, right? Like, how are you doing is literally asked as if it's a yes no question, right here. I think it really is. There's no genuine request. There's no empathy implied by that question when you say "Hey," unless you say "How are you doing?" Right? How are you doing? Right? Mm. If you say "How are you doing?" There's, there is absolutely no interest in that. Right? It's an empty, empty question. It is. But yeah, which is kind of sad in its way. I think I don't know which is why sometimes I like to give a lengthy answer to people when they're expecting the yes, just to, just to call their bluff and be like, well, now I'm going to tell you.
0: And I'm glad you asked. Cause you
1: asked the question. Yeah. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I've got this growth. <laughs> just launch into whatever you want at that point. But yeah, well, <laughs> so that was a, that was a big opening to the how are you doing anyway. But um but yeah, it's uh, it's it's been a it's been a wee while since we got a podcast together. I think it's been a, f- a few months actually, and I'm I'm receiving prods now from the Systema for Life listeners like, are you still doing this thing or what? And um, since I went full time working for a uh, one company as a consultant in uh, January, I've had um, I've been somewhat pressed um, to balance out my responsibilities of teaching and training Systema. Working for the for the man and uh, mm. and actually recording a podcast at the same time, but um, but I'm hoping to jump back on the horse now. Now I'm through the uh, kind of three month onboarding thing and, and get back to like a decent regular, maybe once a month podcasting schedule. But um, but you seem to have been pretty relentless. You've you've been uh, still keeping your podcast churning out.
0: I missed one um, mm. about three weeks ago. The first the first week I've missed, um, ever. And I, I kind of sat with that for a while because I I had the retreat going I had a, you know two two retreats in a single week I know we we saw each other there briefly and it was like I could I could do something like I could just sit home and record something or I could maybe you know call you and beg you to talk to me and and I was thinking like what's what's the right thing for me to do here <laughs> like is it okay to skip a week. <laughs> And it was kind. Of, it was kind of. It was a really interesting question, because on some level, like if I if I think it's okay to skip a week, I'll start skipping weeks all over the place. Like there's.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, that actually ties in quite a lot with something that I've been thinking about, just with regard to routines and attention, right? Mm. Just that people that that I've known for years that are quite disciplined and and you know laser focused and all that kind of stuff. Like the last couple of years has really thrown them a curve, and it's been you know, a combination of the obvious kind of just routines being thrown up under COVID and people working remotely all the time and being able not to put their pants on when they go to work for, for a couple of years. And now they're kind of being asked to again, and kind of show up in weird hybrid remote ways. But it's also just the the crazy onslaught of demands on our attention now, not, not just the, the attention engineers on social media who are trying to keep you stuck on it. And the, the media constantly reporting about the war in Ukraine and any number of other terrible things going on and you know, the uptick in political activity and whatever's going on. But there's also this, you know, the attention economy has been around for a while, but there's something else happening now that I've I kind of like to call the um the focus economy, you know. <laughs> there are as hmm. many people now talking about ways that you can find your flow and become indistractable and, you know, find deep work in every day. It's like <laughs> I'm getting distracted now by people <laughs> blitzing me with adverts telling me how not to be distracted (laughs) it's yeah (laughs) it's kind of of a crazy situation there's like a deep irony floating around in there somewhere
0: yeah i remember remember the first time i saw the phrase productivity porn i was like oh my god you have nailed me
1: (laughs) that's it that's it that's it that's that's what it is isn't it yeah you can browse browse through that forever thinking it's that you're actually working towards something (laughs) and you're not you're just you know you're browsing some it's it's analogous to like browsing through you know, I know dietary supplements instead of actually getting exercise or going outside or changing your, the way that you eat, right. Instead you could browse through loads of ways. I wonder what kinds of shortcuts that I could take that mm. wouldn't involve me going through all the usual hoops in order to get done what I know needs to get done. It's the same thing with this. It's like I wonder how many of these productivity books and things that I could read rather than sit my ass down and do the friggin' thing, you know, it's, um, <laughs> I don't think they really are that. I think they're preying on it now. I think that there's, a, there's a predatory productivity economy going on, you know, which is kind of nuts. And, and you know, I just, some parts of me agree that it needs to be addressed in a way and that we need to mount like a valiant defense against the onslaught of distractibility from social media and everything else that's going on. Part of me is like, yeah, I, I need to figure this out for myself and my kids to make sure that we're productive you know focused people who have the concentration of a martial artist and, and you know stay on things until they get done and perseverance needs to be something that people just live with all the time and if we've lost that somehow over the last couple of years we need to figure out a way of getting it back right there's one part of me that's doing that and the other part of me is, is I don't want to become Tim Ferris you know I don't want to become some routine driven arsehole who's optimizing his life you know every <laughs> day so there's nothing interesting about that to me and even less about it's interesting about that to my wife i'm sure she'll be like right you're a terminal bore well done you have six pack abs and you're getting up at five in the morning and crushing your day but you're now no longer the person that i met and i don't want to be married to you anymore you know it's like there's there's something about that that's um that's a bit unappealing to me as, uh, as like be careful what you wish for because you might just get it. Do you know what I mean? If you instigate all of these routines and do all these things to optimize your life, you'll end up being a person that you didn't want to be. There's, so there's, that's that's the mm. struggle that's playing out in the two hemispheres of my brain at the moment.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, was thinking, I guess Tim Ferriss isn't going to be a guest on my podcast after, after I let that <laughs> description go. Yeah, sorry. On, unchallenged.
1: I've like <laughs> just blitzed any chance for you to hit, hit the... Uh, Hit the uh, New York Times top ten with your new book now. It's not going to get yeah. on
0: that. but, but yeah, you're, you're. It's funny. Like I see, you know, I'm still getting. I'm on a lot of lists and tw- and I follow, you know, Twitter followers who like. I am interested, and as I know you are too, in sort of you know what we might vaguely call self improvement or yeah. self aware, you know, use of resources to achieve important outcomes. And I I keep seeing like people would like. Sh- have a photograph of a bunch of books and they would say, you know, these 15 books you absolutely must read. And, and I'm, I'm deeply ashamed that I've read most of them. Mm. You know, there's, you know, like there's a moment
1: in there like, wow, am I, am I that desperate to improve myself? that I've read all of these books.
0: (laughs) And some of them are, are are great. You know, like essentialism is often on the list. And you know, yeah. you and I are both big fans of Greg McEwan. And uh Yeah. You know, and then there's other like atomic habits, or you know, um, you know, the the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Stuff stuff that I've enjoyed. Yeah. But then when I see them all laid out on that list, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. there's there's something I don't know if it's you know sort of joyless or just desperate. <laughs> like, read one if it's good, go do it, and then yeah. have have a life.
1: Yeah, surely you shouldn't need fifty of them, right? If 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 one of these has even half of the principles in it that you feel feel like you need, you shouldn't need to read fifty more, right? You know, if they're doing what they say on the tin. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. It's um, I think it, what it really does it begs the question of. To what end? Do you know what I mean? Like, it, Let's say that you're the most optimized, efficient person in the world and you do get up at 5 a.m. and crush your work day, right? Um, to what end, right? Because a lot of the time, if you if you manifest that kind of efficiency and productivity, it's, it's not like the work goes away. Whether you're trying to you know, save the planet or whether you're trying to make money or you're trying to become you know, an influencer of thought or action or something like that, like that work is probably never done. I mean, maybe it is for people that are just money focused and they have that metrics of like, I hit all my goals this month.
0: Oh, I don't know it's, anyone. X number of things. Yeah. I don't know anyone who's money focused no. who understands the word enough.
1: <laughs> no. Yeah, you, yeah. That's what I'm, I'm sort of saying. Like, But I, what I'm saying is that in principle, you could have a metric. You could be like, yeah, I made X thousand dollars this month. That's all I need to make. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in a way as a, as a freelance, you know, I, as for a lot of years, that's kind of what I did. I'm like, okay, here's my nut. Here's what I need to pay my fa- my bills and support my family every month. And so once I've hit that amount, I've maybe go a bit over the top and then be like, okay, that's sufficient. I don't want to kill mm. myself making that much more money because I've got everything that I need to stick stuff away. But then like you say, after a while you're like, well, I'm not going to hit the game here and I have to save for retirement and do other things. And what about medical emergencies? And so, there's, there's even if you're not massively money motivated in the sense that you don't want to be rich or something like that, right? You can still be deeply safety motivated, right? Yeah. You'd be like, oh, I can never make my family secure enough, right? I can never make my situation secure enough, so I have to keep working for the more money so that I can get more and more secure. And that's if you're you're mostly working just for the for that paycheck and the security that it provides, right? If you're working for a higher ideal, if you're working to try and change the world in some way, you know, like to try and get everybody to eat plant-based and healthy or if you're trying to get everybody to live a more examined life or be less angry all the time or be less stressed or something, I mean, that work is never done, right? It it cannot be done and it will not be done in your lifetime. So there's even less capacity for metric-based rationing of your time and effort, right? So the more productive and efficient you become, yeah, the more you might do and the bigger the dent that you'll put in the world and that's often Mm. like the... You know the pitch. I think of this kind of works is like you know you won't you won't believe how much more you can achieve if you if you do all this stuff. It's like yeah, but to what end? You know it's it's like mm-hmm. well yeah. So, well, at what point do you feel like you've made such a big dent in the world that you feel you feel that you can relax and spend time with your family or that you do you know what I mean or you can stop and smell the roses a little bit because you know, I don't I don't know that anybody really gets to the end of their life and looks back and says I, I just wish I'd made a bigger dent. I wish I'd done more. You know, yeah. maybe some people do. Maybe some people just really genuinely waste their lives and they're like, oh, I hadn't thought about it until now. But most people are, are con- content with the idea that they they survived. Maybe they're annoyed that they were, you know, wasted time not talking to people or they wasted time bearing grudges or something. But mostly people are like, I wish I'd seen more. I wish I'd spent more time with my family and loved them and done all those things, right? And mm-hmm. maybe some people, like, if I just had more opportunity and means, I would have been able to do that or something. But very few people... I think, go back and say, I wish I'd, I wish I'd 10x'd my productivity, right? No, I don't think anybody comes yeah. back on my deathbed. They're probably like, I'm on my deathbed because I 10 xed my productivity about three yeah. years ago. And that's why I'm freaking here, you know? So, yeah.
0: Well, I think, so. I think there might be some sort of like a laugher curve where, you know, there's an optimal time, you know, like I think about when I optimize my morning, that yeah. involves stress work. Right. That involves breathing and muscle tension and pushups and doing unpleasant things with my body that I would in that moment prefer not to do. There's also getting, you know, for a lot of listeners to this podcast, it would be getting up early and prepping meals so that they're not uh, subject to the whims of urges later in the day. But they have to like, OK, here's my meal ready. When I get when I'm hungry, I can just go eat it. It's as easy as, you know, a microwave pizza. Um, I think, you know, I think maybe the problem is that most of us, especially during this pandemic have shifted way over to the left of the bottom of the bell curve where like for me, a lot of my morning routines kind of went to shit and, yeah. and so there, there was some part of me that's like, you know, you've got to hold on militantly to your bucket, <laughs> Or when the, when the yeah. bucket kind of went away, it was at least cold, sh- like at least two minutes of cold shower. Yeah. All right.
1: Yeah i i don't I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't see anything wrong with maintaining routines. I mean, I did it right. I did you know for the whole while the pandemic was rife. Not that it's completely gone, but it's, it's edging towards endemic now. It really is. You know. Um, but I, you know, I did three hundred odd days of daily breath work at six in the morning, so that everybody could like. I need, never used to film my own breath work every day. I'd just get up and do it, right? But I did it for like a year and a half so that people could anchor to that routine and keep doing it. Um, and I kept dousing. And now I have my routines as well. I get up, I douse, I you know do some breath work. I you know spend 10 minutes reflecting. I plan out my day and then I get on with things. And I don't think there's anything And I think if you've lost those little things that are very helpful to you, that help you to stabilize, right? And give you a nice platform. To move on from things rather than get sucked into i don't know tv or facebooking or something early in the morning and never get started with work or something then then i think yeah you should probably find your way back to those and see what you can do but i I think that you're right that there is a point of diminishing returns right optimize optimization by definition can never end right it's it's a it's a process that tends and asymptotically, right? It's, it tends to infinity. Like you can't, yeah. you can never optimize to hundred percent. You just keep optimizing constantly closer and closer, but, and maybe 75% optimized life is absolutely
0: fine. optimized.
1: And then any <laughs> past that, you just become a boring monk like that. Nobody wants to know, right? So maybe we should spread our efforts a little bit more and distribute our attention and say, okay, I think I've optimized as far as is useful in that aspect of my life. And yeah, I could meditate for three hours every day and yeah, I could do yoga for two and a half hours. And yes, I could plan every single meal I ever eat and count every single calorie, you know, but life wouldn't be worth living if I was doing that. It would be the most boring experience because everything would be pre-planned and it's worth the trade-off to have a little bit of variety in my life and do some other things. And it, And I think, you know, for a, a systemic analogy for the, you know, the martial art that I do and, and that I teach, I've, during that whole period, where we couldn't physically push and pull each other around as readily as we could, might like we found small opportunities to train and things like that. I, I went, as most a lot of people did, um, very internal and just started to look at very simple things like where you put your attention when you are doing a push up. You know, like can you put your attention in your elbows, or can you put it in your fingertips, and how does that change the process of you doing this? And can you kind of by shifting where your attention lies in the in the similar way that meditation will give you kind of that focus, that ability to focus inside or outside your body. Can you kind of distribute retention more freely um, and and have it grabbed less by like impacts or, Mm. you know, sudden shocks in life to the extent that you can kind of sail through life a little bit better, right? And in, in martial arts, that ability to have kind of no mind, that ability to clean the slate and sit in a place where you're not thinking too much about yourself, You're not thinking too much about what needs to be done. Like, I need to deal with this attack. But you're just floating in that place where you're comfortable, right? You're just like, yeah, things are happening. And here, not even here I am. It's like, here we are, right? Mm. (laughs) The whole situation is like, I'm here. You're over there. There's an environment around us. And this is a situation. And your mind is on the situation and not on yourself and what you feel about it or not on the other person and what they want to do, right? It's there. And I think the the more I understand that, the more that I practice that in martial arts, the more I'm like, oh, this is something that's been missing from my life enormously, right? This this is, even though I carry the physical skills from life into, from martial arts into daily life, and I, I've carried the, to some extent, the, the ability to kind of stress-proof yourself, you know, to do breath work and control your body and to to mitigate the effects and symptoms of stress on yourself, that higher order ability to shift your entire focus, to shift the entire set of things that you're looking at and then become more unperturbable, right? Mm. I, th- I, think that's, I think that's the skill that probably we need right now, right? It's not a million, it's not 50 ways or 20 books that are going to help you to be- produce more. I just think that we need better skills at, at sitting back, looking at the whole situation and discerning what's important and then having the ability to go forward with that, right? Rather than go through cycles of laser-focused concentration, exhaustion, and then extended recovery and seeking dopamine, right? <laughs> Which mm. is, I think, what people have just been riding that dopamine roller coaster for two years. And they're having trouble coming out of that. You know, they, they want the reward behaviors. They feel like they deserve a beer at the end of every day and a snack every time they reach out. You know, and now they're going back to work. Nobody's patting them on the head for just existing anymore, right? Now we have to wean ourselves off of that dopamine teat and then start to come back to a place where we're just... We can see what's there and what needs to be done and get on with it. You know, I, I think that's what we need right now. That's that's mm. my intuition.
0: So I'm, I'm really struck by the word sort of unperturbable versus undistractable. And, yeah. Uh, I'm curious if you could, could dive into the differences a little more.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think probably to, you know, if, one, one of the things that's some of the advice that's offered to to being indistractable right let's take a a case study for this is to you know set yourself off in a chamber right one one part of this is like the deep work Count newport thing right just set yourself away and make yourself indistractable by just blocking out time when you refuse to pay attention to anything outside of that remit and outside of that space right you're just going to read for three hours you're going to write for three hours you're going to crank out whatever it is that you have to do in that three hours. And you switch off all of your phone notifications and you shut down all the things and you go to a log cabin in the trossack somewhere. Or I don't know. Right. That you do all the things to shut out any possible input from anywhere else. Right. And that's how you train yourself in theory to get the stuff done. Right. That's the tactic for indestructibility. But to me, that's not becoming indistractable. That's just putting yourself in a different place where there aren't distractions. And that's a big. There's a big difference between those two things. Mm. That's not training you how to handle distractions and filter. That's training you to run away from them, and and only to be able to concentrate when you're in a in a silo, right? It's the mm. same thing as you know when you have to if you're going to sleep and you have to have like a noise machine and the, the the plugs and the face mask and the patchouli oil and the whale music, right? If that's the only way you can go to sleep, then you can't sleep most of the time. If anybody, you know, one siren goes off, all the the batteries go out in your noise machine or something else happens that there's a power cut, then you're awake again because you're crap at sleeping, right? Somebody who's really good at sleeping can sleep through a siren and an earthquake you know, <laughs> or something like that. Or maybe not that much. Actually, that's probably a good analogy. You you do want to be, you do want to be able to hear the inputs and wake up, right? When I sleep, I can't sleep with a, like a noise machine in the room because I'm like, well, what if somebody breaks in, I need to be able to hear the back, the backdrop of what's going on so I can mm. get downstairs and protect my kids. So I don't want to be in a, cocoon upstairs while whoever's sneaking around in my house or something right so i don't feel comfortable with that i'd rather sleep on the floor downstairs with all my senses available to me but i sleep hard right i sleep well i don't Mm. have trouble getting to sleep and there i think lies the difference between indistractable and imperturbable right like indistractable you deny yourself you're trying to deny yourself the inputs most of the time with the tactics that people have but if you're imperturbable you allow the inputs to come in um, but you train yourself to protest process them in a way that it doesn't affect you on the deep nervous system level, right? You, you're like, yep, I, I noticed that and I'm going to do nothing about it. It's not steering my behavior in a strong way.
0: Mm. Yeah, although, I mean, there's, there's certain elements of the indistractable in terms of, like, there are um, attention sucks that are very, you know, like the social media things, like the phone in yeah. particular and you know and you know this as well as anyone you've created tech proof <laughs> right so it's it's not like uh you know like i'm just going to keep my phone here all the time and like, maybe anymore. i should turn it maybe i should turn it off <laughs> right now yeah right as opposed to looking at it but I, I i you know but i do love this idea of like we're building internal capacity to face the world rather than putting demands on the world or on our ability to filter it. It reminds me much, very much of conversations we've had about, you know, type two diabetes and, and glucose. Um, and, you know, people who are, have sent, you know, gut sensitivities to foods and their response is to never have those foods again, rather than to train their guts to be able to handle it or. Um, um,
1: yeah. yeah, I see. Yeah, there's. There's a sense in which you've got to be able to learn to tolerate the real world and its varieties and vagaries, I think, you know, and and I think if, you, if the, your response to stress is to hide from it, and your response to potential distraction, stopping you from producing things is to hide from anything that might distract you, right, right. then you lose the benefits of, I don't know, co- collaborating with teams in real time, you lose the benefits of that random bit of input that you might've got at some point during the day, which really might've made a difference or even sped up what it is that you're doing like more than once over the past few months working for this, you know, this, uh, company that I'm working for now, I've done that. I've switched off all of my email notifications, right. In order to get some deep work done, like to design some PowerPoint slides about a deep concept in science or something like that. Right. Um, and I've shut them down for like three hours or something and I've like cranked out and I've done a bunch of stuff. And then I'm like, Great, I did it. Right. I've got this I've got this slide, I've got these this piece of content, I've got something that I've written. I'm really quite proud of it. I'm like, look at me, I did my deep work and I cranked it out. <laughs> and then I, you know, reactivate my notifications again. And there's 12 emails, two of which might have enabled me to do that thing in about a third of the time. If I just read that email half an hour after I shut off all my email notifications, they would have been like, oh hey, we got some new data in on here, and this might be a really good way to represent it. I'll be like, I struggled with that for two hours because I shut down the expert who could have told me how to do that even better, right? So I missed that opportunity because I refused to acknowledge inputs because I was so scared of getting distracted, mm-hmm. right? And that's just just one example, you know. Right. Like and so that, then, I th- think. so the, the question there is, struck.
0: what what do you do? What do you do with the other ten? Right, like, yeah, can demo. you the other ten emails? You said you got a dozen two of them could have really helped you. Presumably the other 10 were going to be distractions of some kind. And, mm. you know, the the, the Tim Ferrisses of the world will tell you to turn off your email because once you, once you keep getting pinged by it, yeah. right, then you have this, you know, no such thing as multitasking. You're just attention switching and it's got all these costs associated with it. Um, you know, I'm, as I'm listening to you now, I'm, I'm thinking that maybe attention switching while it's costly isn't – prohibitively costly in some situations
1: yeah i I think it probably is but i think there's probably a balance to be struck again between shutting yourself off entirely you know like um, and maybe some aspects sometimes when you've got to crank something out let's say you feel like you have all the information that's necessary right you're not making any assumptions you have all the verifiable facts you need to produce something right you don't need input from anybody else at this juncture and it's just going to take you three hours to organize all of this stuff and turn it into a piece of work, right? If that's the case, you should shut everything off and go Cal Newport it and go deep work and write the thing, right? But if there's any, if there's anything floating around, if there's any kind of group input that you need, or there's or there's something else that you haven't taken account for right now, and 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 that might be necessary, then maybe shutting yourself off for just an hour at a time, is, do you know what I mean? Is, mm. is is more valuable? And maybe you need a system for triaging the emails such that you ignore everything unless it's from the three people, from the CEO or from the two people on the team that you're actually connected to this project. You know what I mean? So some way of like tagging things. So you could say, okay, if it's coming, if it's relevant, then this email gets through. If it's not, I'm not even going to look at it right now. There there is a problem to the, the ping pong thing, right? The, just the distract the, the alert and the notification coming up. I just switch those off a lot of the time anyway. Right. But maybe instead of trying to batch your emails twice a day, or something like Tim Ferriss would recommend, right? Maybe it's more realistic sometimes to say, let's do this every hour and a half or every two hours and just not have notifications in between. And then at least at a quick scan, you could be like, okay, six emails there, 12 emails there. None of them are relevant to this project. I'm going to get back to that later on. And that, that's hard to do. And the tendency is to be like, well, I can just take care of this now. and <laughs> You can derail yourself. And, and there is a cost to attention switching, I think. So I'm not advocating throwing all that stuff out. Um, but, but I think what what I'm saying is, again, it's that 75% rule It's like, when, when is it, when have you optimized that enough to be like, okay, I'm, I'm indistractable enough right now. Right. I'm not checking social media. I've, you know, silenced my notifications for a little bit, but I I need to leave some of this door open both so that I don't cut off opportunities and also so that I can train myself to, to, to work in the face of that. Do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like to, to. Work adaptively and to work quickly, without getting drawn into something and, and drawn out. You know, I, I think there's a there's a skill to be had there as well.
0: Yeah. Well, when you came and worked with the coaches at the at the retreat, and you you know the the final thing you taught was the sort of global attention, very you know sort of yeah. diffuse attention on all the senses, on everything that's happening, not just focusing on one thing. Um, yep. You know, that maybe that's part of imperturbability is. The, the ability to pull back from getting hooked that, okay, I've just gotten this email. Uh, it looks interesting. It looks like it'd be fun or, or urgent or something, but it's not in the purview of what I'm working on right now. And I don't have to block it out. And there's part of me that I have an expansive enough attention that I can yeah. make that value judgment and that decision in the moment. And I don't need to, I don't need to make it in advance preemptively.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's just it, you know. And it's um like coming back to the context of you know if it's like a, a physical altercation and something's going on, the difficulty in that once you know how to move your arms and legs and you're not terrified of getting thrown over or punched or something like that, the difficulty comes in that how quickly your attention can get hooked. Right, you, you can. And you can practice in such a way for like many years, like they do in Tai Chi sometimes, where there's just nobody else involved, right? (laughs) And you focus like intimately on keeping your attention exactly where you want it to be and moving your hands hands and feet. As soon as somebody else is involved and is pushing and pulling, as long as you're doing well, as long as you feel like you're riding that flow state and everything feels easy, it's still fairly easy to keep your attention where you want it to be. It's only when you start, something changes abruptly, right? And something happens that you don't want to to happen that your attention gets hooked and then it becomes kind of a, a slope. Like it, it collapses from underneath you and you can't stop thinking about the fact that you're losing or you can't stop thinking about the fact that things aren't going the way that they want to. And then inevitably you can tumble down there and, and training the skill to be able to be like, Oh, he's got my arm. I don't care. It's only an arm. And then you kind of come out of that and then counterattack from that position. And then even before that, like the, the real mastery comes, I think in the, in before anything's even happened, just finding that complete equanimity of being like, it doesn't matter what happens. You know, whatever happens, my body and my mind will take care of it, right? And having no expectations of the outcome at all. And just really finding that place where, whether you get pushed or pulled, no matter what people try to do to focus your attention and pull it from the environment around you where you might find good decisions to be made, one of which might be run away or (laughs) get out that door or something, right? getting pulled down to like i have to stay here and fight or I have to defend my leg or whatever it's going to be right if you if you have that ability to see the bigger picture you're always an advantage to somebody else because they're hyper focused and you're not and that's what it feels like when you work with vladimir or any of the you know the the absolute masters is that it's they are unperturbable it's not just that you can't hurt them by hitting them because they can Distribute the impact like physically, right? That way, it's that they're psychologically unperturbable because they're they're looking at the bigger picture. They're they're solving a different problem to you, right? Mm. You're solving a very short term problem. We're like, you know, you're trying to act like. American senators or something, you're only focused on the next six months and whether or not you're going to get elected. Right. And they're playing like the 90 year long game of some Scandinavian country making a policy. Right. They're just like, well, he might try and kind of get me, take me down right now, but I can see 50 things that he's doing wrong. I can see a wall next to him. I can pull on his shoelace and he'll fall over. Right. And we miss all those details because we're so intent on defending ourselves or one little thing and where your attention goes Your physical tension follows. Right. And I think the same thing is true in daily working life. Right. You might start the day with equanimity and you finished your meditation and you've done whatever it is that you do to make yourself feel good. And maybe you got did your 5 a.m. club and did all your routine. But if something throws you a curve in the middle of the day, right, you get like that unwelcome email or that fast, urgent response or some or, you know, maybe family life. Intercedes, right? One of your kids is sick, and you have to take them to the hospital, or something else happens, right? Everything gets thrown up, and you're still required to kind of deliver on all these fronts, right? It's how quickly can you reestablish that balance? Is a skill, right? Pull yourself back and be like, okay, there's something to do, but this is not the end of the world. What's first? What's next? What's next? What's next? And get on with that that way. And that's not a function of indistractability at all. That's a that's a function of adaptability, right? That's that's the better that's the better yardstick to measure our ability to survive in the world how adaptable are we? Not how indistractable are we, right? How can we just kind of keep that center in the middle of all the chaos and then come back to it?
0: Mm. So what are, what are the practices, you know, if we're getting back to our our morning to our optimized morning, you know, it seems like one of the things you're saying is like less rather than more. We don't need to, we, we have, all of us have, has, each of us has, all of us have, you the government <laughs> is the government know. are. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All of us have, I think. Uh, um, like two, every
1: one of us has, or all of us
0: have, I think, if <laughs> <case>. <laughs> um, innate tools that are, mm. um, that we block, right, through, through excess tension, through getting hooked, um, but like one you know, one of the things I was thinking when I was um, on on the ground doing the breathing exercises that you shared a couple of weeks ago was, boy, this would be more useful to me than my morning meditation, <laughs> right? And yeah. I've been meditating every day for twenty minutes, just sort of sitting, yeah. sort of classic meditation, just noticing the air going in and out of my nostrils, it's, you know, a little mantra, ahum, ah, and when I get distracted, bring it back, and I and I've really. Cherished that I've done this twice a day since April 2019. So this is uh, mm. so three years now, and so part of me lives in terror of ever missing it because the, the, there's a narrative like, "Oh, well, that's that's done. That was a nice run." Yeah, and then there's also part of me is like, when I'm lying down and I'm doing the 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 system of breath work or I'm massaging my belly, like you know maybe, maybe I could cheat during the meditation and do a little breath work during the meditation. Is that all right? You know, like, like there's, mm. some, uh, there's some objective arbiter that's not me out there and that I have to kind of, right. And, you know, the, the, there's a feeling like what, what I'm missing is a kind of freedom or agency to make mm-hmm. my own decisions about this. Like I want you to tell me that this would be better yeah. for me than the other thing. I can, and I can, I can feel that impulse. Like I need an authority to make me change this so it doesn't all go to shit.
1: Yeah. Which brings us back to the list of 15 books to tell you how to <laughs> optimize your life, right? Like, to, like you don't know and that you can't trust yourself to figure that out and you need 15 self-help authors to try and help you figure it out. You know, it's, it's the same problem, isn't it? I think. Um, I mean, I think, I think, I think it's really important just kind of to acknowledge what it is that we're saying or that with our actions, right, that we're doing. So to that example there, you said that, you know, you've been doing for three years, you've been meditating, you know, every day and that you, you fear what would happen if you didn't, you know, like a lot of times. So there's like a loss aversion that's tied up into that. Do you know what I mean? You, you feel like, oh, if I give up on this, then I mark myself out as the sort of person that gives up on meditation after a little while or Mm. Maybe all the benefit. Maybe I feel pretty distractible right now, but I can't imagine how much more distractible I would have been if I hadn't been doing this for three years. Or there's there's, 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 that fear is there.
0: And to be honest, there's a lot of ego. Like I'm really fucking proud of the fact that I've been meditating every day, twice a day for three years, and I kind of want you know I'll sort of toss it in gently in conversation as if it's no big deal. But I'm like, like that give that gives that gives me cachet. Yeah. You know, and I don't want I don't want to lose that either.
1: Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So um yeah, I've been I've been doing this really interesting training thing as well with one of the guys that I met off the podcast. Um um or was introduced to by one of him. So there's a guy um in the UK who who runs this company, um, based on kind of analysing behaviours, looking at reasons for behaviour, and then going to organisations to help them to unpack. The kinds of things that are that are going on in their organizations and why people are making bad decisions, right? So it's it's basically kind of like the science of good decision making, mm. and um, and one of the aspects of this is this exercise called assumptions challenge. Have you ever heard of this before? No. It's an it's 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 part of um, the process of red teaming that um, military groups do in order to try and right before they're about to implement a plan that everybody agrees is the best plan and all the best people have put together, and they're about to do it right right on the eve of that then they have a practice of like one guy or one team within the whole unit is, is tasked with red teaming the decision. It's just like, okay, let's just say that I'm, you know, I think the plan is complete crap. Here's all the reasons why it's going to fail. Right. Despite Mm -hmm. the fact that everybody thinks it's a good idea. Right. Um, And one of the key exercises within this is the assumptions challenge. So you write down a big list of all the things that you think, you know, about the situation, right. That that's implied by your plan. Right. So, so let's let's do this really quick, right? So I think this might be a fun exercise to try, okay? Right? Just for the for the sake of it, right? Um, so you're trying to make a decision about how to optimize your life, right? Um, give give me five or six statements about that, about that whole situation, the things that you believe you know.
0: Okay, so one of the most uh, important things is that I have lots of energy.
1: Okay, it's important to have lots of energy. That's one, right? Right. Uh, another statement. Go uh, six.
0: that my mood frequently determines my the outcomes I go for.
1: Mood determines outcome. Okay. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, the cleaner I eat, the the more focus and energy I have for being productive.
1: Okay. For productivity. Okay. Yeah. Right. That's
0: three. Um. Routines are very important.
1: Routines are important. Okay.
0: And go again. and um, the thing that will probably make the biggest difference in whether I do stuff or not is the environment.
1: Biggest difference. Okay, cool. Actually, this is, yeah, I need to backtrack from this one little bit and ask another fundamental question, right? So, what's the problem that you're trying to solve with this?
0: Yeah. Well, so you know, the routine. the question I'm trying to ask is like, what's what's the ideal, um, more like morning, let's say, morning routine to set me up for a great day? Because the the problem. Okay. Now the-
1: rephrase that in terms of what's the problem you're trying to solve? Because that's still not that's not a problem, right? It's okay. Kind of, that's uh, what, what's the problem you're trying to solve with this, with actually ch- attempting it in the first place?
0: Um, how to not have a shit day.
1: <laughs> and what do you mean by a shit day?
0: Uh, A day in which I don't feel good and I don't produce anything of value and I don't necessarily uh, live my values and I don't move towards important outcomes.
1: And do you feel like that happens a lot?
0: Um, Too much,
1: too much. Okay, so you would like to make shit unproductive days less frequent.
0: Yeah, sure.
1: Okay. Yeah. So if that's the problem, I'm not saying that's necessarily yours, but this would be one reason why you might want to do it. But it's important to ask that question. The second question is, um, is this the right problem to be working on right now? Of all the Mm. things that you could be thinking about and working on is, I want to have fewer shitty unproductive days, Mm. the problem to be working on right now.
0: Funny you should ask. Because I had a conversation with Mia at lunch where I was talking about, you know, I was going to get up this morning and and work out, but it it was raining, so I wasn't going to run. So then I was going to go to my office and do yoga and lift weights. And then I just didn't feel up to it. And I feel kind of bad for not feeling up to it. And she said, you know, you haven't had a day off in over a month, right? Mm -hmm. Because the retreat was two weekends in which I I was totally on. Last weekend I was playing in an ultimate frisbee tournament in New Orleans. It's so like maybe the problem is you're just really fucking tired.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the problem might be that you're not productive enough or the problem might be that you've been so trying so hard to be productive you didn't allow yourself sufficient recovery time mm-hmm. and you've just generally just kind of run yourself down to the point where you can't concentrate and it makes having a shit day more. More likely, right? Yeah. But I'm not saying that's true, but that's another possibility, right? That's another. So another problem that you could work on is like, how do I make myself rest? Right. That that might be another problem that you might be think about working right now, uh-huh. as opposed to how do I stop having non productive days? Right. One of those might solve the other one. Yeah. Well, in Especially, fact, like, you like, know, have you, have you got when you
0: when you juxtapose them, the you had you had to um, pull the problem of unproductive days out of me. What? What the problem I was trying to solve is how do I get up early in the morning to have a really productive routine versus can I just sleep for <laughs> sleep in for a week or two and start recovering like okay. like there's no i like there's no trust I will say there's there's no trust mm. like if I just don't do anything you know morally <laughs> you know virtuous for myself for two weeks and I just rest. Mm. There's a story that I've just turned into a lazy turd and Mm. you know it's downhill from here and there's no there's no trust that my body at some point will say, Okay, now it's time to have a really hard workout.
1: So now so there's a third problem to be solved. How do I trust myself not to turn into a lazy turd if I skip a day of meditation or or sleep in one day? Yeah, right. Is that another problem? (laughs) That's there too. (laughs) Okay. So um so with, with that in mind, right? Um, what happens if you succeed at solving this problem? Right? So let's say problem number one, how to not have a crap day and you're super productive every single day. What happens if you win at that thing and you, and you have the most optimized day ever every single day and you're super productive every single day? What mm-hmm. happens? What's the outcome of that?
0: So one, one outcome is things I care about move forward in the world. So okay. you know, some, some, some of my work makes the world a better place. Um, oh, okay. And, you know, and that, you know there, if you wanted more assumptions, there's one of my assumptions, right?
1: Okay. Yeah, that that it's going to make that big a difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that might be what the effect on the wider environment, right? Whether mm-hmm. or not that's true or not, that's that's one thing. And that's what's driving you. What effect would it actually have on you as mm-hmm. an individual?
0: Well, so pre- presumably my finances improve because I'm not on salary. I, <laughs> I freelance. Okay. And so... You know, if I'm doing the work, then I'm setting myself up for ease, an easier, more abundant um, next few months.
1: Okay. All right. And um, and what effect would that have on your home life, on on the people immediately around you, right? Um, so on Mia, on the kids. Like, if you if you were super productive, I get up early and work all day, guy. What effect is that going to have on your your family, for example?
0: Um succeed in being. Successful? Yeah. well, I, th- I think I am I'm am more stable emotionally when I have this sort of you know gyroscope of, of work and achievement. So I'm less likely to be drawn in and blindsided if there's you know arguments and uh, and unpleasantness that I, that there's there's a way that me feeling like I'm doing good, in this sphere is, you know, sort of strengthens me and allows me to put the other stuff in perspective. It's, not, you know, it's easy for me if I'm just sort of lying around and people are unhappy with each other um, mm-hmm. in the family to kind of really fetalize, <laughs> at least okay. spiritually. Like, like this is okay. this is all cool. there is as opposed to, you know what, yeah. I'm also I'm also doing all this other stuff. And so this is a part of what is.
1: Okay. Gotcha. So that's, so that's interesting. So there's like, you know, when you look at the whole reason for even thinking about the problem, like why this and why now you're like, I don't want to have crap unproductive days. Uh, and then when I ask why and the effects are going have, you say that, well, if I have more productive days, I will earn more money. And then I will feel more stable. And I also feel like, that I have achievements that lie beyond what's going on at home and so when I'm more productive and I'm achieving more things I'm happier and that will have a better knock-on effect on the family around me and all that kind of stuff as well um and and then you also have the other things that you had that you were talking about which is you know routines are important um if I eat properly if I eat cleaner then I'll have a more stable mood. And if I have a stable mood, that has a better effect on the outcome. Right. So some of those things, right. So as you go through that, those list of things that you've said, as you kind of talk to yourself about why you're doing this, right. And um, some of those things are kind of verifiable facts in the sense that you could prove them or disprove them. Do you know what I mean? In the sense of like scientific facts, right. It's not to say that you could ever prove them 100% laws or truths forever. Right. But You could absolutely prove yourself wrong by saying, (laughs) by, by saying like, well, I eat really crappy food today and I feel actually quite great and I have plenty of energy, right? If that were true, then you could disprove that thesis about eating clean gives me good energy and all that kind of stuff. Right. But to, at least insofar as you know, right, those things that you said that mood affects outcome, eating clean gives me more focus and energy during the day. um, Those things to you are verifiable facts and you've proven them to yourself, like with beyond a reasonable doubt right those things but in and amongst there are other things which are our assumptions right Um, which are stated straight up assumptions which are if i i'm more productive i will earn more money right i don't know that's necessarily true especially as an author right (laughs) you can write for years and years and years and just and write pages and pages and books and books of material and it doesn't necessarily translate into getting paid more Right. It's um, it, it depends. It, it really depends on who what what things are picked up. You could make a million podcasts and unless you're getting paid per podcast, which I'm pretty sure you're not right. That extra productivity doesn't translate into extra money that way. So in a wide range of circumstances, that's an assumption that it's not true. I'm not saying it's not true now, but I'm saying that it's not a verifiable fact for you. Do you know what I mean? There's an assumption in there that if only you were way more productive, you would earn way more money. And then those other contingent things like am with more money, I'd feel more secure. Those kinds of things aren't necessarily true. Right.
0: Right. Well, I mean, yeah, and again, it's, it's, it's all contingent. Like there's some work I do on an hourly basis. Like if I do an hour's work, I get money for that hour. So in that case, like okay. prioritizing it yeah. does lead to financial security. There's other things that I do on spec. Absolutely. There's things that I do that aren't yeah. financially motivated at all. Typically, the, in my career, those are the ones that have been the most lucrative in, in roundabout ways. When I'm not trying to make money is when, yeah. you know, when I like, you know, write a, a book review on Amazon and then the author contacts me and we write a book together. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, right. So. So, yeah. So there's absolutely um, a very sort of serendipitous relationship between useful things I do and income.
1: Okay, you fill those between useful things, but then that begs the question of which of the things that you do are useful and how good good a judge are you of the things that you should be spending time on. So what, what I'm saying is that the, if, if the initial question was, how do I not have a good, not have a crappy day and get up early and do a bunch of things and be more productive, right? You could do a whole bunch of things. You could work all day long on things that at the end turned out to be not productive and that you won't feel good about them at the end of the day. Do you know what I mean? That You did so many things and you stayed busy for hours and hours on end, but none of those things seem to move the needle at all in the world, in the things that make make a difference to you. you That's completely possible that that might happen. You might optimize your Tim Ferriss day, get up, meditate, eat clean, work out, be ready to do all the things and then work all day on things that don't matter. That's possible, right? (laughs) Right. <laughs> it's possible. I'm not saying that you do. I'm just saying that it's it's a possible thing for that to happen, right? Sure. So is a on on, on the flip side, if you knew all of the things that were hundred percent necessary for you to be super productive to get the other things that you feel like would move the needle on things that matter to you, right? You might not need to get up at five a.m. and do all those things, right? If you absolutely knew, if you had a crystal ball and you could tell what was going to be the most productive and give you the most leverage, then you wouldn't need to be Mr. Superproductive, right? So in a sense, the assumption is that you need to spread bet, right? You don't know what's going to come up roses so that you have to find a way of staying superproductive so that 10% of what you do and you don't know what that 10% is going to be, right? is going to be the thing that leverages things. And if you don't spend eight to 10 hours a day doing that, if you only spend four hours a day doing that, or you don't get started for a few hours because you have a lazy morning, then you're only spending 10 minutes on the things that matter and that's only like enough to move the needle this much and you're probably not going to get there is that kind of fair to say right so
0: so as i'm hearing you there's definitely sort of an 80 20 to it and i don't think it's as random as you made it out to be into which co- sure. which comes back to you know what you're talking about is adaptability and ability to feel the moment like yeah. like there you know the the most Let's let's just take financially. The most lucrative hours or minutes of my life have been minutes, mm. right? In yeah. terms of, oh, here's an idea or here's a phone call I'm going to make or here's yeah. a proposal I'm going to put together, right? Mm. Like the things that have really led to the significant income that I've made when I've made it. Mm. There's been, you know, sort of follow-up work, but there, you know, there's lo- there's a lot of $10 an hour work that I do, a lot of $50 mm. an hour work, a bunch of $100 an hour work, and there have been, you know, there have been $10,000 an hour hours. Yeah. Right. And Yeah, so <laughs> Yeah, and and I and and I'm better at identifying them than I think. When I, when right. when I can be sort of present and, uh, you know, unperturbable
1: okay so then this kind of narrows down the question a little bit right the goal so if you're like well how do i your 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 quandary really was like you want to be able to build this routine or kind of get into a place where you don't have crappy non-productive days but you're waiting for an expert or an authority to tell you what that routine is right but i would suggest to you that you know exactly what that routine is you know exactly what the things are that are important for you to focus on right um you you you, you have a really good idea of the kinds of things that lead to um the ten thousand dollar days ten yeah ten thousand dollar days or whatever they're going to be right and so your daily routine should leave should be minimal enough to kind of get you into that space where you're kind of relaxed you feel healthy enough to do what you're going to do but healthy enough right Mm -hmm. not so that you're spending two hours at the beginning of the day working out meditating doing all the things and then you'll get around to starting work a little bit later but there's like a minimum effective dose you'll get up do a little bit of breath work maybe you meditate maybe you don't if that's important to you then great if it's serving your purposes then great but if it's not it's 20 minutes that's getting in the way of other things that you could have been doing Mm. depending on whether or not it's serving your purposes and probably more important than anything else is for you to 80 20 the crap out of everything as soon as you get up right because the most important thing that you need to do every day is identify what that 10 to 20% is before you even start working. Cause otherwise you could be super motivated, super clear, super energized and just work all day long on the other 80% and, and make more and more time for that. And then be demotivated when you see the results of that aren't coming off the way that you want to, and that could lead you down the wrong hole. So from a behavioral perspective, you've created your ideal routine. You're cranking it out every day. You've stuck to it. You're meditating, you're eating clean, you're doing all the things. But the response is nothing different you're like i'm making the same money i'm on the same hamster wheel and nothing is going great so probably the way that you reinforce the behavior of having a morning routine which you feel is working is consistently focusing on things that give you a good good and immediate response do you know what i mean so that you you trick your body into being like yeah we do need to get up because it really does make a difference on those days when we get up and that we and we plan what we're going to spend our time on right so meditation is less important then really focusing on the two or three things that need to be done today. And maybe even working out and all of those things is secondary or working out for an hour is secondary to just working out a little bit and enough to get kind of get your brain going and then getting into things. And then you can complete working out later on because it's not a difficult activity, right? It's something you can do in the afternoon when you're in your post-lunch slump in a way that some of the other difficult work can't be done in the afternoon. Mm. You'll just kind of flake out on it, right? And that's, I shift my, you know, Once we get off of this, I'm going to do my like, you know, half an hour of running about, working out, doing my things. Right. And I used to do that in the mornings, but I haven't had the luxury of being able to do that since I started this new job in January. And it actually works out better this way because I was I was using up a lot of my energy on something that took very little mental focus in a lot of ways. <laughs> you know, like I'm relaxing when I'm working out, I'm relaxing when I'm breathing, I'm spacing out and having a good time. But now instead I spend half an hour in the morning just kind of getting into the place where I need to be or sometimes only 15 minutes, right? Um, where I need to be for work, another 15 minutes of planning or reading. And then I get into my work, I get it all cranked out. And then around about three or 4 p.m., I will spend a good hour uh, around that time right i'm um, doing physical things which take some degree of focus but they don't take last minute decision making mm. you know what i mean and the, like meal prep as well i make sure that everything's planned out for the week i'm like okay this day i'm gonna do some groundwork this day i'm gonna do some bag work this day i'm gonna roll around on the floor this day i'm gonna do some sword you know <laughs> and so i can just look on the thing and be like oh yeah that's what i was gonna do today i don't have to make the decision because otherwise i'll be like well do i go for a run do i do some push-ups do i do some pull-ups in the rings do i do some sword <sighs> I could just check Facebook first, and, see, yeah. you know? <laughs> and that's that's the path at which that's that's the behavioural equivalent of not meal planning. You know, mm-hmm. you, you just pick up a behavioural pizza at that point and do nothing. You know, so so I think probably the the ideal routine for you is probably one that does the minimal things enough to get you going, to get you jump started. Um, gives you an immediate focus on the things that you need to get done every single day, and then leaves gets those things a little bit out of the way, you know, make some headway into those things earlier on in the day and let, then leave enough space in the rest of the day that you might have those serendipitous contacts that you might check your Amazon reviews or check your emails or do something like that and not do the full on deep work thing and ignore those things. Because if those turn into $10,000 days, then you want to leave the space in there for that to happen. Right.
0: Hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah you, you've given, it's a yeah, you've given me permission to start giving myself permission
1: yeah i think so you know i don't think we do this enough i think we have more we're bigger experts in our own lives than almost anybody else unless we're in a deeply pathological place and we just need somebody else to pull us <laughs> out of this and slap us up around for a little while but i think a lot of the time we're not at all we're just um, we don't trust ourselves and we we just need to give ourselves time to step back and have a look at it, yeah. and recalibrate. And then often the answers fall into place. It's like having a good night's sleep on it, right? And sometimes they just, the answers suggest themselves.
0: Yeah. And also I'm thinking like there was a, there was almost for all of 2021, I was working out three times a, a week in the morning, seven to eight, because I had a couple of guys on Zoom. We'd work out together. Mm. And then be, in yeah. January, 2022, they both said, no, I want to do other things. And I was like, oh, all right, well, I'll just keep doing it. And I didn't. Mm. And it was yeah. it was really hard to, like, you know, I'd get oh, go, right, I'm going to do, t- what am I going to do? I'm going to do 10 sets of this. And after four sets, I'm like, eh, I didn't feel like doing the 10 it's sets. It's boring. It's so boring. There's nobody yeah. to show off in front of or to impress or to even. Crack jokes with or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and like there was a long period of me being disappointed in myself for not being able to do this thing that was so good for me that I said I wanted to do when all that changed was there wasn't a computer screen, but it was a big change. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and and that's it. You know, it comes down to that thing. I don't think you should be a, be a fanatic about anything, like not even fanatically healthy behaviors, you know, like, you got to allow yourself that kind of and allow yourself some human kindness and be like, yeah this is all going to be easier if I ask for help, right? If I'm exercising with somebody else, if somebody else joins me on this plan to eat better, right? If, you know, if I enlist my family in telling me to shut my laptop down so that we can have family time, like rather than depend on myself to have the discipline to be like, no more work today, bam, right? Get your family to be like, no, we've got a rule. You shut the laptop off after this time and no more work will be done that day, right? It's playtime now. Then that's something that I've had to learn over the last few months, right? If there's something that I've learned is that, there's a massive value. I always always did things like just get outside, get nature, do some breath work, rebalance myself in lots of other ways. But there's an extraordinary value in starting the day and ending the day. Like People always go on about morning routines, right? They go on about you've got to do these things, optimize yourself, get yourself up, get, get the on-ramp going, and then you hit the ground running, whether it's organized tomorrow today or eat that frog or 80-20 or whatever it's going to be. People are obsessed with the idea of starting the day, mm. right? And yeah, if that's your problem, if you just have a real problem getting out and starting the day, then maybe that's the place to put your focus. What I see is so many people are just incapable of, of ending the day, right? They, they get to the end of the working day and there's no transition out of work, right? They're, they stop doing it for a little bit and they, do, they have dinner or they'll do something else and then they'll pick up another email and then they do three other things and they'll open the laptop and they'll check a few things on their phone. Um, and it's like, you never really put it down. And then even when you're going to bed, you never psychologically checked out of work at all. You never punched out at any point. And some people might be like, yeah, that's how you get things done. And that's how you're driven in the world and you move fast and you get stuff done. But it's psychologically damaging. It, it, gives, you no, it gives you no capacity for recovery because there could always be something you're listening for and you're always nervous about something that you might miss, mm. right, um, at any point in there. There has to be a signal that you're done with the day, right? And for me, that's that will be going for a walk with my family after they get back from school and work and everything else like that. I'm like, okay, they can come back. And I can stay on the computer. And sometimes I have meetings at fixed times or something or weird hours with people on the Pacific coast. And I don't have that luxury. But then after that, I try and do something that demarcates the end of the day. It's like a little gap year every single day. Like I'm done <laughs> learning. I'm taking a gap year. And then I'll go yeah. I'll go back to work tomorrow. You know, mm-hmm. it's like that. And you hey, have let, to do that. Otherwise, it never gets put down.
0: Sorry, I have a call that's coming in. I'm just going to tell them I need a, oh, they, I missed.
1: <laughs> oh, I, my bad. Sorry. No,
0: no, we were, we, um, yeah, no, I just, uh, missed. I'll call, I'll call, I'll call right back. But, uh, yeah. So I didn't, I didn't. But
1: do you know what I'm talking about with that? Just that, that, that necessity of just ending things <laughs> as you just put it, as you try to end the phone call. <laughs> Well, anyway, I think that probably brings us to a good point. Anyway, like in that, but um, but yeah, I, I guess a, a few things for us both to think about. As we come up for of this today. And with that, I'm going to go and exercise. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks, Howie. It's nice to see you again.
0: All right. So I'm re recording this outro a couple of weeks after the original interview because of some technical glitches. So I don't really remember <laughs> what movement and running were like and uh, what we did in the garden, but uh, it's all right. So just, uh, you know, you can stay tuned with, by following up with the uh, most recent podcast episodes, and you'll hear all about my efforts to keep this 57 year old body in shape and grow some food. All right. Time for thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenour for allowing me to use his beautiful song. Sabali Don, the dance of peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, WillRidenour.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Brittany Porter, Dominic Maurer, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Berenst, Tina Scharf, Tina Ahern, Jen Filkonoski, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elizabeth Feldman, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Landry, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Kelly Cameron, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Tom Franz, Jeanette Bennett, Gila Serk, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Dorona Vizo, Gio and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesner, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, Aviva Lael, Alicia Lemus, Val Lineman, Nick Harper, Bandana Chawley, Molly Levine, The Inscrutable, Harry R., Susan Laverty, The Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Scharf, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Copel, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Sharon Hirschman, Linda Ayad, Holm Hedegaard, Isa Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olikoski of Plant Power for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Morani, Karen and Joe Crabtree, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Anne Jessie, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Peter W. Evans, Dennis Byrd, Darby Kelly, Lori Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan Picorni, Stephen Patti Patty DiMartino, Mike and Donna Kartz, Deanne Bishop, Bill elf Marjorie Lewis, Trisha Adams, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bayshore, Gunmarit Hagen, Tracy Gulledge, Laura Heaton, Meg from Mama Says, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Paranganchi.